0: Hello, and welcome to another episode of Myths and Stories, a Destiny 2 lore podcast. Today, we are continuing our history of the Vex as it relates to the Guardian. Um, I love putting that little stipulation in there because, obviously, Vex, they do their own thing. A lot of their own thing. They do a lot of their own things. Um, last time, we ended our 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 story with uh, the Vex kind of resetting their garden of salvation uh the garden of salvation was was where I guess the black garden was uh, established as kind of a a holy site for the vex um they they rebuilt their undying mind uh, and said we're gonna we're gonna try to separate it out from the timeline again that way it, it stays separate from everything else and Ikora was like cool let's hijack that and just kill it as many times as we can and let's put our entry point our our Invasion point right here in the heart of the city because that seems like a great idea, uh, and so we do. Uh, luckily for us, uh, putting a vex gate in the in the center of the tower didn't go badly, um, as we'll see eventually. It does go badly, uh, but yeah, we 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 invaded. We killed as many undying minds as we could through as many different simulations and times as, timelines as we as we could, and so now we have squarely put the uh black garden back in our timeline uh it's it's fully connected to us so anything that happens what what i what i'm assume, and again this is uh, what the vex you kind of have to assume a little bit um for some vex reason uh the vex the the garden of salvation is now squarely in our timeline so that way it, so now it, it it has to follow Paracausality and 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 time and and Or not, sorry, not paracausality. It has to follow causality as it relates to our timeline. Uh, But we're going to get away from that now, uh, and we're going to return back to the Vault of Glass uh, because there's still a poor little guy stuck in there. Um, Poor little Praetith. Um, The Vex used him to try to to solve their own problems and be like, hey, we'll let your signal out just so we can invite some paracausality guys in here to stop this taking shit going on. But once they do that, we're shutting you back down. So, he's had a taste of freedom, and it seems like uh, he's got more to do. Yeah.
1: So, uh, if you recall, last time we saw Praetith, he was uh, stuck in the Vault of Glass in a cell of sorts, um, just kind of floating through different simulated timelines, and he was... You know, getting glimpses through the bars of his cell of of certain events, and then it'd float on to another, and then on to another, and then on to another. Um, And the Vex used his messages that he was trying to broadcast out as bait for our Guardians to come and save them from the Taken, essentially. Because the Taken, if allowed to run rampant, would have been the extinction for the Vex. Um, but after we've accomplished what they wanted us to do for them, uh, they kind of closed up shop and kicked us out and Praedith was still stuck in there. Now we did find a body that belonged to Praedith or belonged to a version of Praedith, But, uh, if you recall from the end of that episode, there was still a version of him, perhaps the original version that, Was still in that floating cell in the Vex network, uh, waiting, hoping that someday he could get out because we had now proven that the Vex could make mistakes. And so that brings us to a lore book uh, that released with Shadow Keep that picks up right after the events of uh, Season of the Undying and the Destruction of the Undying Mind. Um, And that lore book is titled Aspect. Uh, And in it, we are going to uh, see some uh, familiar faces from other parts of the series, uh, as well as Praedyth, and discover ultimately what has happened to him. So, we're going to start on chapter one of Aspect, uh, which is titled Realis. And it goes like this The undying mind lies in the garden, a ruin of metal given over to greenery, a barrow rising out of black soil, rich with nitrogen and thought. Everything in the garden becomes of the garden. Eventually, shed leaves decompose and fertilize the soil. So do the bones and unspoken ideas of everyone who couldn't find the end of the maze. So do the wordless songs of the vexed gardeners. They walk between the leaves, encouraging growth, laying down their bronze pathways, the only straight line in all of the garden's tangles. The vex weave themselves into the garden, and the garden returns the favor. Harpies patrol in the air as goblins do on the ground, their veins wafting in the still air on their endless, untiring rounds. The pathways lie dull against granite. No power runs through them, not since the heart stopped beating. But the vex of the soul divisive have programmed themselves to worship the darkness. It has given them power before, and the vex understand time. What has happened before is somewhere still always happening. And what will happen is happening now. Soil that lies fallow for a season will recover and produce again power that wanes will wax again, if the ground is ready for it. The harpies stop where they are, a shudder running through each of them, in order from one end of the garden to the other, a flicker, a wash of power, coming from somewhere distant, a pulse. The power it carries lights the pathways, And the mind's eye blinks for a bare moment under its blanket of lichen. The power passes through the garden, overruns the vexed machinery within it, and floods the network beyond. A moment held, like the shore after the tide rushes out. Motes of something that isn't dust shake in the air. And the bronze pathways hum, a counterpoint to the goblin's song. And the garden's door vibrates with them. That's the end of chapter one. Well, that's creepy. (laughs) So this could be a couple things. This could be, so the undying mind is presumably dead. You know, the undying mind lies in the garden, a ruin of metal. this could be indicative of our guardian that this could be our guardian entering garden of salvation. If they're, if they're trying to say the events of garden of salvation happen after the undying mind dies or, or is dealt with, um, you know, the, the pulse being the two dark artifacts, like connecting and communicating with each other, perhaps.
0: Right. That's that's where the the pulse is is kind of like the main focus of of this one it's like, is like, is this a pulse of dark? Is this a pulse of communication? Is this a pulse of light? Like, what what is what is this power? Uh, right pulse happening through the garden.
1: Alternatively, this pulse could be after we've already raided the garden and uh, dealt with the the consecrated mind, um, and sanctified mind. Uh, and this is now perhaps the witness, you know, who oh, who is sure. entering, uh, the, you know, the, the dark <laughs> ships have, uh, started to enter the soul system and like their energy is now being felt by the garden.
0: Cause when, when, when did we start getting word of the ships entering? Well, I guess, I guess we didn't start getting word until Seraph, but that doesn't mean that the Vex wouldn't, would Right.
1: The, the Vex could very well have sensed it beforehand. Um, but yeah, season of the Seraph was where we first started to um, see, you know, them mo- in encroaching in, right. Uh, so it would have been a little ways off for us still.
0: Um, but the Vex are all like they're they're not they're not um, they're not beholden not beholden, stuck they're not stuck in the soul system.
1: Vex right. are everywhere.
0: Like I I I think that's one thing that I don't I don't know if we've ever really established that Vex are everywhere. Yes, they are throughout the entire universe, and since every Vex is 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 quantumly linked with every other Vex, like as soon as one thing gets word or notion of it, every other Vex knows of it throughout all of space and time.
1: Hmm. So it could be reverberations there, um, but regardless things are stirring in the garden, Uh, and while that is happening, things are stirring in the Vex network, or a person is, Uh, and we see that in chapter two, which is titled Mirative, and it goes like this. He's had this hallucination before. It's not that good as hallucinations go. Prayed this radio is talking to him, voices rising out of the static. He wishes it would at least use a familiar voice. Pahanan or Teiko or Kabir. He'd even take Mir at this point. He turns his head toward the radio. His cheek scrapes against the granite. It hurts, vaguely, the same way everything does. Muffled by too much time and not enough light. You said that already, he tells the hallucination helpfully. It squawks. I did? When? Last time, or the time before. Chronology is a lost art in this cell. Then he hears again. Alert. Spelunker's contact band 227.97. Something, something. Skyshock potential. The voice fades. It hurts him to talk. Say again? The hallucination has a new voice, this time. Sharper. Not quite, but nearly like Mir. The band number? Pradith rolls back over to face the ceiling. It's blank, as always. He sighs. He's cataloged constellations in its speckles. Cats and ghosts and even a squid or two. Excuse me, whoever you are. The first voice is back now. We're calling from band 227.17. If you were contacted by another 227 group, we really need to know. You said that last time, too. A third voice interrupts. Did the other group use this radio frequency? They did. Praedith hasn't had the strength for fiddling with his radio lately, in new attempts to contact the world outside his cell. He hasn't had the strength for much, but counting off meaningless intervals of time, waiting for the next window to chance a message out. We've tried this frequency at least a dozen times over the past month. It's never worked before. Then what's changed, he wondered to himself, and the question suddenly shakes him out of his stupor. Praetis sits up, a wave of nausea fouling, and he repeats the question out loud. Maybe it's not a hallucination. Maybe he's finally breached the walls of the vault somehow. Maybe he has a chance.
2: Quickly he goes back to the radio. Hello. Are you still there? And all he gets is a wash of static. Whatever signal he was picking up is gone.
0: And that's
1: the end of that chapter.
0: Poor man's lost his freaking mind. Dude, that's like, it's literally eternity in there. Like, he's bouncing through different different timelines, different... Like, he's he's seeing all of time and space, like... The only thing keeping him going is <laughs> making up random. I, it's funny. I used to do that shit when I was a kid, <laughs> like look up at like mm-hmm. all the little patterns in the ceiling and make little constellations out of them. But that's literally like he's reverted back. Like he's just like I have nothing, literally nothing. But then this message, the 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 thing that keeps getting me is two two seven. They're 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 talking about that as a group of people, mm-hmm. and the only two two seven that I have any type of thing that's even drawn my mind to is the number of Maya Sunderesh's.
1: Well, specifically they say, uh, band two, two, seven dot nine, seven.
0: And then the sky shock sky shock is a, that's a, that's a war mind. So sky
1: shock, uh, specifically they say sky Shock's potential. um, Sky Shock being a, it was, was something used by the war mines, um, but it was a code that I believe specifically meant like extraterrestrial threat.
0: Oh, okay. But the 227.97, is that the 97th iteration? That's, that's got to mean something. And they, they call back, we're banned 227.17.
1: Yeah. If you were contacted by another 227 group, we really need to know. And then so, they keep,
0: That's where they're like, you said that last time too. So uh, interesting. Interesting.
1: So he's, he's kind of sitting here just lounging, you know, staring at the ceiling, uh, assuming that his radio, it, he's just, he's, he's hallucinating voices. Uh, yeah. like he's been here so long and this is actually a um a real phenomenon i uh, that i i forget what the um what the term for it is let's see if I can find it here uh but this is a real phenomenon that um uh audio periodolia which is where if you listen to just white noise static or uh you know a, 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 some kind of random noise um our brain is really really good at finding patterns
0: yeah and it, it will
1: it will try sometimes to its detriment <laughs> to assign a pattern to whatever it's experiencing and yeah. in the case of uh, audio pareidolia it will take that white noise and it will Pick up on patterns in the white noise and turn it into things that sound like words. Yep. Um,
0: just just like when people say they they see something in the moon or they see something somewhere, like your brain has trained itself enough to to make out those uh, uh, familiar uh, outlines. Yeah. And so then your brain will start extrapolating data from that outline and create whatever the fuck it wants. Like it's, human <laughs> mind is kind of. Kind of cool, but kind of scary. <laughs> a little bit,
1: but yeah. So if you ever like hear wind, you know, coming through an area, and it sound, and it, you know, you pick up like, oh, is, is someone, is someone talking? Like, was that a voice or, or something? Uh, it, I'm assuming similar kind of situation with Praydith, on top of also like hallucination from just isolation and malnourishment and all the other stuff he's going through. Um, I mean,
0: he even says it there, like he's been, he's been so cut off from the light it's just yeah. it's it's messing with him
1: so he's he's just lounging listening to this this what he assumes is nonsense chatter on his his radio static um and he's like yep heard that before yep uh, heard that one before heard that one uh and then he realizes that like no they're they are actually talking i uh, and that this group says you know we've tried this frequency at least a dozen times over the past month and it's never worked before uh so this this group is hearing him is hearing his comments and are saying like who are you and why can we hear you now uh and that kind of pops him out of like wait a minute this this is this is more than just hallucination but by the time he realizes that and tries to respond it's all like his window's gone it's it's he's moved on in the timeline somewhere where that frequency isn't available anymore, but that means he knows that there are people out there on that frequency, and uh maybe he can contact them again
2: so with that in mind
1: uh we are going to look at. The uh, we're gonna actually skip a chapter here. The there's the third chapter is gnomic. Um, it doesn't refer to Pratith or really the Vex in a meaningful way. Uh, it's one of those more like cryptic, what is going on with the garden kind of things. Um, so we're gonna skip that one and go to uh, epistemic is the next chapter. Uh, and it goes like this. Praedyth has watched from his cell for longer than he knows how to quantify, sitting inside and looking outside. He has seen so many different timelines. There's no way to know which are real. From a certain point of view, they might all be. Some things he recognizes. He sees the traveler often, though he can't feel its light through the bars of his cage. Sometimes it hangs over a city so familiar that makes his heart ache. Sometimes it hangs in an alien sky, and foreign shapes make airy loops around it, ghosts of an unrecognizable make. Some visions he gets once, while some come back over and over again. One recurring image, Is a piece of the traveler cracked off from its body, lying belly up in a forest, with a small figure standing in front of it. The figure changes every time, but the sickly glow of the traveler does not. Once he sees a vision of himself, straight shouldered, warm in the Martian sun, standing between Kabir and Pahanan. Kabir's helmet is familiar. It's the one Pratith helped make. He was a defter hand with spin foil lamination than Kabir ever was. Kabir had worn that helmet barely five years into their life as a fire team. Worn it for six straight months, till he cracked it in half in the crucible. That vision makes Pratith weep. Desiccated as he is, he didn't think he had it in him. The vault shows him Mercury again and again, recognizable only thanks to the scale of the sun in the sky. Sometimes there's rubble hanging in space, a planetary ring still forming. Sometimes there's nothing but rubble, and when he turns, he doesn't see any of the other planets in the system. Gone, somehow, eaten, down to the crumbs. Pradith wouldn't mind those visions so much if he could only feel the warmth of the sun. But here his hands are always cold. He sees waves of aliens cross the solar system's threshold, emerging into the light from outside the heliopause. Some of them travel with the air of eager, conquering armies, paint fresh and banners snapping and some of them move as if they're on the run from something else behind them out in the galactic dark he watches the movements of the vex he learns to tell them apart the shining silver ones the brass ones with back swept horns the ones with eyes glowing white occasionally scattered among them are pockets of vex stained with verdigris their arms trailing shawls of moss. All the other Vex keep away from those ones. Twice he's seen other Vex fight the mossy ones. Looks like the others are frightened of them, as much as a Vex can be, anyway. Some lions have veils drawn over them, a darkness too thick to see through. They push back against Pradith's sight, resisting being seen. All the timelines he sees could be true for some living thing. He doesn't know which are true for him. He doesn't know if that's a meaningful question to ask. He asks it anyway, and he keeps looking.
2: There's no reason not to. He's got all the time in the world.
1: That's the end of that one.
0: Dude, this this is... (laughs) We're starting off dark today. This is depressing. <laughs> we can only go up. <laughs> we can only go up. Well, he's he's seen a lot of, of different things in here, but each of these timelines like I feel like there's it's almost like um oh, it's I know this, this is kind of like a Hollywood explanation kind of going on here. But there's 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 always like those set events that like these things always happen in time. mm mm-hmm. Mhm. Um, is what it seems like he's he's coming across here. The 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 one main one is the the part of the traveler cracked off and yep. something standing in front of it, which is I mean that's literally what we did at the Red War. That's uh, we mm-hmm. we went in front of that thing and and got our light back. Um, different versions of of Mercury, like the solar system gone, the solar system wiped out, things coming in, and and again with these timelines like these could be the past these could be the present these could be the future these these could be alternate uh, uh events that could have happened so like seeing aliens that come out and and some of them are are ready to kill everything like the cabal some of them are escaping something like the like the uh, uh fallen the cabal or the cabal <laughs> <laughs> good call <laughs> um so yeah it, it it's 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 all of time and space in here for him. And it's just eternity. Like this is, this is what eternity looks like for him. And it's God, it's depressing.
1: And he can't interact with any of it. He can't feel the sun on his skin when he's got, you know, the, when he's seeing a vision of mercury, like he's just, he's stuck in this cold box that he can't, he can see stuff, but he can't choose what he sees and he can't, interact with it in any way uh and so he's just he's just continuing to drift um i do think a lot of the scenes he has seen are uh relevant to um things we have done because remember praedith has been in here since before the events of destiny one
0: that's a that's a long time I mean,
1: it is a long time and there's a lot of stuff that's happened that he, he wasn't, he's not knowledgeable about. He doesn't know has happened. Um, like the, the ships, the conquering ships coming in with fresh paint and war banners that could be Gaul. Uh, oh, sure. And, and then other ships that are moving as if they're running, that could be, that could be the remnants of the cabal with Keitel who are running from Torbottle. um, I say, or the Conquerors could have been the Fallen coming in, or, I mean, I guess you could apply the Fallen We're also running from something. So, like, he may be seeing pieces of events that we have lived through, um, at least for some of these. Uh, it's also worth pointing out that he's kind of figured out the some of the different types of Vex. He's like, okay, there's shiny silver ones, there's brass ones. There's ones with, you know, white eyes. Uh, but the other, the Moss ones, the ones that are covered in Moss, all the other Vex avoid them and in some cases fight them. So I'm I'm guessing the Moss ones are the sole divisive, which we that's, talked about last time. That's what I'm time.
0: thinking too. That That is kind of cool to like just see two Vex just fighting. Like solve what, your own problems.
1: Yeah, especially for the Vex. Like that's pretty unheard of to yeah. to. Th- have this, you know, collective, um, consciousness, like, turn on itself, kind of.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Yeah.
1: So, uh, so yeah, so he's, he's seeing all these and he's just like, well, I got nothing else to do. Um, all the while waiting, waiting for that next chance to try and get a radio message, uh, in or out. Uh, and so we continue on to the next chapter, which is Deontic. Uh, and it goes like this The pulses are stabilizing. The voices come often enough now that Praedith has been introduced to their owners Sundaresh, Essie, Shim, and Don McNead. McNead? uh, Not infinite mirrored variations of them from different timelines, but simulations, all split off from the same base, way back in what must have been the Golden Age. Some have grown far different from their progenitors. Some have not. We have to base the modifications on the Ansible system, one Dwayne McNabb says he's either from 22713 or 227204 the voices have been bickering in his ear for what feels like hours the ansible is a thought experiment it was proved impossible says another some people prayeth has heard are their own worst enemy in the case of dawn mcnab this might be right An impossible machine could be the only solution to getting us out of an impossible prison. And so how do you propose we build it? Finally, a decent question. Pradith jumps in. What materials would you need, hypothetically? We're limited by what I've got with me. He's in contact with six groups of these people, all based in Vex Network systems near Venus. They must be within an ambit of the vault's entrance, whatever that means. There are more of them further out, both in the solar system and in the Vex information networks. Up to 221 more, apparently. There must be a way to contact them too, to use whatever let them connect with him and go even further, till they can figure out why now and what's happening. What are the Vex
2: doing? And what do you have with you?
1: That's Dr. Sunderesh. Brisk. The others listen when she speaks. He takes stock silently. He has three guns, two two disassembled down to their casings for parts, two boxes of physical ammo, and one of Amelon energy cells he's been using to power his radio. He stripped his armor down long ago. He made a comm unit from his helmet and pulled fine coils of wire from the conductive pads on his gauntlets and steel plating from his boots. In his pockets, he's got lint and the wrapper from a candy Pananin had tossed at his head half an hour before they entered the vault. It's worn soft and folded into the shape of a crane. No ghost. Her loss is one thing he has never gotten used to after all this time in the vault. He still wakes up some days, expecting the small weight of her on his shoulder. Do you have anything to etch circuitry with? Uh, If you give me ten minutes. He's got a laser pointer and a focusing crystal out of his Amalon rifle. While he works, all of the Chiomas hold their own discussion. If Pratith exists physically... Even if the space he's in isn't strictly real, he has access we don't, and vice versa. Maybe together, we can get something to work. Well, if you believe his story about the Traveler, another one says. Chioma's more skeptical than the others. Oh, I've believed weirder, another one of them says cheerfully. She pauses and adds, Do you remember the first thing we saw the Vex do? You mean going from Maya's throat? No, not that. Jumping into that frame, clear through the air. Six Chiomas rattle their fingers against their radios in unintentional polyphony, thinking. Hmm. You think we're close enough to Vex at this point to use one of their tricks? 22718's Chioma turns wry. What's a little more tightrope walking between friends, eh? Praedith lifts his head from his former laser pointer. And how much of a chance does this actually have of working? This was Shim, usually the quietest one. Oh, negligible, but it's better than chasing after tech disproved centuries ago. Praedith doesn't have enough scavenged parts for both trials. It's one or the other a choice that they can't undo. They take a vote. Praedith marks the tally with screws on two adjacent flagstones. 22718's Chioma gives the first Gives the first yay. It's unanimous. They're taking the leap. And that's the end of that chapter.
0: So this, this just confirms everything. <laughs> uh, first off, it, we and we talked about this. Um, the 227 different versions of uh, that were being observed of Maya Sundaresh's original team studying the first Vex were all they all jumped they all took they all leaped <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> uh, into the Vex network and started searching and and reporting back essentially and so now multiple versions of them have come across Praydith and yes. for whatever yeah. reason i i'm still not fully understanding the reasoning behind it but they are able to communicate and and talk with him and converse with him and i i'm assuming they're using some sort of vex trickery like masking their like that's that's the thing with 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 chioma's group or i say chioma's group i keep saying chioma's group it's maya's group and chiomi's there <laughs> <laughs> but the big thing with maya's group since they do know so much about the vex they they know how to do things like that to to mask what they're doing um underneath uh vex uh to make it seem like it's just a a, a vex thing happening around mm-hmm. them so it doesn't really surprise me that they're that they're able to do this it's just kind of intriguing on how
1: yeah it it is interesting um and even Pratath kind of wonders like he's like, "Why can we do this now? like yeah. what like, what are the vex what's... doing that they're not paying attention to us kind of thing
0: and and it's that that's that's the ultimate question there. It's like something has pulled the vex' attention away from him, which is kind of like a miracle first off, like it's it's completely crazy for that to happen because the vex have been trying to study light this whole time, and now they have just this light bear just trapped with them, so yeah, it's it's something big's gotta be happening, right? Right. Um
1: yeah, so but in addition to that, like you said, we know that Maya and Shoma SC and like that group in general is very, very proficient with Vextech. Um, I mean if we think about their ability to mask themselves, uh look go all the way back to um our episode about the history of Neomuna, like they made their ship appear to be broadcasting a Vex signal so that they could get to uh Neptune safely. Yep. Um so they've there is some precedence for other versions of these people at least having the knowledge to do that kind of thing. So maybe it's something along those lines too.
0: And I, I love that they they they're like, well we've got this guy and we can build this machine, this impossible machine that has been disproven centuries ago, essentially disproven before the golden age. Uh, but all we have is like what parts are, (laughs) this, this guy has on him, uh, which is a very limited, uh, set of stuff, physical materials. I do love that. He's just like makes a laser pointer out of a crystal (laughs) and and some power cells. And it's just like, yeah, this will work
1: yeah that that is definitely one thing Praith has been quite ingenious. He's, a, he's with, a tech savvy dude. yeah, like he he's done a lot with the essentially what was on his person when he came into the vault.
0: I do love it. in his pocket, he's got lint. <laughs> yeah, good job. <laughs> like what, what what the hell does that do? <laughs> and then the candy it's like the fact that this candy or I guess it's just the wrapper is left. like the candy's yeah. probably long gone. but the wrapper he has folded into like this, like how many times has he folded and unfolded this wrapper into this perfect crane? Probably
1: millions at this point.
0: That's what I'm saying. Like you can only do one task so many times where you're just like, I just don't care anymore.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Um, And confirmation that uh, he is ghostless. He no longer has his ghost, Um, which we, we did find uh, his ghost shell uh, when we were, uh, when our guardian was in there, um, following his radio messages, like at, with his body is eventually the, uh, the, the dead ghost. Um, so hard to say if that is the original ghost that we found and, and that's, you know, was truly his and, and that's why, um, they're gone now or, or if something else happened, but, uh, he is lightless. Um, Though still alive, because vex time weirdness, like he's he's in the state of like
0: for for some vex reason, yeah,
1: he, he's like perpetually preserved in in that point in time kind of thing. Um, but yeah, so they're they're arguing about like, well, we should we should get him out this way, or now we should build this, and I it comes down to like, I can do one. You guys got to pick which one you want me to do. I, And then like that, that's it. That's the try, which would be such a nerve wracking position to be in after, after being trapped for so long to finally have that glimmer of hope and have that like, Hey, we think we can get you out using one of these two ways. And to him, for him to be in the position of like, I'm not the expert you guys are. So, I guess you're gonna have to take a vote, and I'm just gonna trust that that ends up being the best route.
0: <laughs> Bold move.
1: Yeah, it's scary because um, if if it doesn't work, like he truly, it, like there is no that's, hope. That's it. At There's that no point. hope.
0: That's gone. Like yeah.
1: <laughs> so uh, we continue with the aspect book. Uh, in the next chapter, which is titled Atelic, Uh, and this
2: one goes like this. Describe
1: time. No, really, give it a go. You're going to say something about a sequence of events, aren't you? Seconds sliced off a clock, marching one by one, often to infinity. Go ahead, use your metaphors, a line, a loop, a flat circle, heard someone say time was like water once at least that was novel the vex they're the closest to understanding it they've got distance from it if time's a river then we're fish and they're diving birds what's wet mean what's wet meant mean to a fish what does wet mean to a fish what does it mean to an osprey who's never fooled by refraction on the water's surface. Hold on now, you're going to say, this is getting a bit abstract, even for the body's, bodiless echo of a dead guy in the garden. Well, you want concrete truths, something simple, something digestible, a story to keep the dark out. You want time to be a staircase we keep climbing forever. But hey, even a guardian skips back a step or two now and then. Die with your ghost in range and it'll just pop you back to before the bullet, give you the chance to make a fate you like better. Nothing's been simple on earth since that big white cue ball rolled in from the next neighborhood over, and the stories, they don't work too well as a nightlight anymore. You're going to say, but the Traveler is our friend. The Traveler likes us. It gave us a golden age and garden worlds and guardians. You're going to say, you wouldn't be alive without it, Mr. Bigshot. Without it, I wouldn't be stuck in the Black Garden, making bets with myself on which goblin's going to be the next to slip on a soggy leaf and fall off a cliff, either. You took my light already. You'd better take my advice. I know the void's still calling, but I've come untethered. I can't reach it anymore. So if I'm right that I can reach you, you keep your ears open. I don't care how much you hate hearing it. This is important. The vex understand time in a way we never will. Doesn't matter how long I spend here watching them doesn't matter how many jury-rigged portals guardians fling themselves through. We live in time. And they use it as a tool. Any moment that's ever happened, any moment that will ever happen, they can go to it. Play it again and again until they get it right. Simulate it. The lights a counter to that. They come back, a guardian comes back. They simulate an ending, a guardian tears through it, and we reach a stalemate. But the vex in the garden? They bend the knee to the garden's heart. It gave them power till you got lucky. The vex outside, they made a different calculation. They ran. But the vex inside, they made the same deal you make every day of your unnatural life. And who's to say that deal won't start paying off for them again sometime soon? You can't understand the vex, and you don't want to understand the heart. But is your ignorance any more forgivable when it's willful? Lots of questions, not a lot of answers. Better take care, or you'll drown in 'em. Surely, as you'll drown in time. Whether it's anything like a river or not, and that's the end of that chapter. Mm,
0: Crypt- <laughs> cryptic metaphor. Uh, Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> Pretty much, uh, yeah. I do, I do like like time. Time is probably the hardest thing to to truly understand. Of like. It, like we have our understanding of it because it we have defined it such in this reality, but if if the Vex truly are the way they are, where they exist outside of time, and it's that's even even that even that phrase is is a, a a hard thing to understand. The Vex, like you, you would think it, and the the the. Drifters puts it best. He says, "If the Vex could time travel, they would have won already." And it's like, no, they're still restrained to the physical properties of this universe. Like just because they can see and interact with different parts of time and simulate it and do play it over and over again, they still have to to play by the rules of this universe. So yeah, it's it the Vex are weird. Like that's and and time is a fucky thing.
1: It is. Um so this is, uh, we actually know the author of, or we can surmise who the author of this note probably is. Um, and they're not someone that you've probably heard of before. So this uh, note is most likely authored by a hunter by the name of Tevis Larson. And Tevis shows up in exactly two other places. This isn't exactly Vex. It's kind of Vex related, but not quite, but this is literally the only place Tevis like has a connection to. So
0: ever uh, existed in the history yeah. of, of destiny.
1: <laughs> so Tevis Larson exists in this lore card and then in two other places. Um One is the Graviton forfeit helmet. Also has a note from them. I, uh, And the other is all the way back in destiny one. When we first got the ability to be a night stalker. I Cade sends you out to go check on a hunter who is a scout that he hasn't seen and hasn't gotten communication from in a while. And he sends the guardian to go check on him. I You arrive, you discover that guardian's body amongst uh, many, many Vex, presumably fighting them off, and uh, their shadow shadow shot bow is still there, and you pick it up and you claim it for yourself. And this is a hunter-specific quest line, and that's how hunters got, uh, were first introduced to um, the uh, Night Stalker subclass when it first came out the hunter body was Tevis. Tevis was the one that we were sent to go find and presumably died at the hands of the Vex. Uh, and grant, you know, we learned how to be a night stalker from what we found on them. Now this seems to indicate to me that Tevis died physically in our time but is maybe still floating around the garden somehow in some form I,
0: for some vex reason
1: for some vex reason <laughs> <laughs> uh, but cuz he you know tevis is saying like you know, i, I you, know, you the 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 best you, the least you can do for me is listen to me because you took my light you the player took my light you are using my shadow shot bow. I uh, now I feel bad. <laughs> well, I mean, he was dead at the time. Oh, okay. It's fine. Um, <laughs> but you know, he, he knows, or, or I'm assuming it's a, he, uh, Tevis knows that like we're using, we learned shadow shot from his powers. I, uh, but still appears to have some kind of observation of the garden like can see what's happening or at least to, can see enough to try and extrapolate what's going on. Um, but so it, it's, it's an interesting, um, it, it, it's an interesting character of like the, another kind of guardian spirit that's maybe just floating around the garden trapped. Uh, similar to how who, prayed who knows is How many cult. are
0: floating around in there? Like we wouldn't, we wouldn't even be able to know because they've been removed from time.
1: Yeah. So uh, I am going to, again, this is a little tangent from the Vex. I am going to read the Graviton Forfeit uh, lore card, which is another message from Tevis. Um, And you can kind of see how the writing style for this one and the the dialogue matches up with uh, the previous chapter we just read. Um, So Graviton Forfeit has this to say. Just sit down and think about what you're doing. A big white ball rebuilt you from nothing, guided your civilization, transformed you, didn't tell you why, did it? Doubt it mentioned the omnipotent space anathema that's coming to kill you and your dog and your whole soccer club either, but that's a little xenocide between friends. Maybe you don't care. A gun never stops and wonders if things are more complicated, it just shoots. It's also possible that I'm just trying to get inside your head. You're a hero with a cape and a gun and a bike, and you're going to live forever. Who's got time for doubt? Fight the darkness, yay! But you know what I would call dark, in the sense of grim, in the sense of cosmically upsetting? A universe full of weaponized puppets, enacting a genocidal war against the servants of a rival god. Is this making you uncomfortable? I'm sorry. I'll be more evil. Boo. Grr.
2: Look. It doesn't matter how good you are. You stay out too long, you're not coming back. Not the same way you left, anyway. Signed.
1: Tevis. And that's the end of that one. Boo.
0: Grr. <laughs> Raar. I'm a bear. Yeah, that's, yeah, I could definitely see the the similarities in in style there. He's very he's very much a a, a hunter. Little, yeah. little what, what does Kate say? Little little too much night, not enough stalker.
1: Yep. <laughs> if you leave him alone too long, they get a little too nu- little too much night, not enough stalker. Yeah. Uh, but so that little aside, um, this is most likely uh, another note from Tevis here, uh, who appears to be in the garden. But picking back up where we left off, uh, with Pradith, we're going to move on to the next chapter of Aspect, which is titled, uh,
0: Jusiv, or Jussive. Um, I'm. I'm gonna make you Google all these names.
1: <laughs> You're gonna make me Google it. All right. All right. I will. I will tell you right now if this. Because all of these names have got
0: to mean something. There's no way that Bungie just makes up all the words. I mean, they do, but.
1: So, uh, it appears to be pronounced "Jessev," and it is expressing a command, is
0: what it stands for. All right, well, now you got to go backwards and Google the rest of them.
1: I'm going to leave that to be homework. Oh, damn it. Anyone that's
0: curious. (laughs) Fair enough.
1: (laughs) Um, But this chapter goes like this. The pulses from outside the vault come quicker now. More copies of the Ishtar Collective team arrive, using them for a boost, leapfrogging in from the dark. Their messages are getting out there out to the ends of the Vex networks. The pulses are getting strong enough that Shim thinks they have a chance to boost data even beyond the network to physical reality. Whatever physical reality means to them and to Pradith at this point, lifetime's deep in Vex projections. Praedith is attuned to the rhythm of the vault. When another pulse lines up with that momentary weakness that lets his radio work He pushes a message through. It doesn't bounce back. It's gone through. He whoops raggedly. A dozen Ishtar collective scientists return the cheer. They start to send messages scattershot wherever they can, whenever they can, whenever the pulses climb high enough to boost their signal. And that works for a while. And then the pulses get too strong strong enough to destroy the integrity of the messages. Instead of skimming along the top and riding the wave, the messages tumble through it and shake apart under its power. If they're getting strong enough to unravel data, it could be that they're getting strong enough to carry something heavier than a pile of code. It's worth a try, Praetith thinks. Anything is, at this point. Something is coming. A tidal wave shadow looming over every timeline he can see. Its peak rises sharp over the earth, breaking the Terminator's arc with a deeper darkness. This is one that the city cannot escape. Praetith carves messages into the last functional pieces of his gear, anything that can serve as a bottle for his messages, thrown out on time's ocean, And what does a guardian pay more attention to than their equipment? They'll catch someone's eye. Some when. He knows the wave is coming. More visions flicker past him now. Burning after-images into his eyelids. More timelines. A possibility or eventuality he does not know. Lost to the encroaching dark. He knows they won't be able to handle it alone. He knows they need a warning. They need to know that it's coming.
2: And it'll be here soon.
0: That's the end of that one. Gotta be the darkness. Right? Oh, Oh, yeah. Gotta be the darkness. And what, like, so, like, what, what is it? Do you think it's, like, the darkness? Like, like, what you're, like, what you said earlier of the witness being in the garden and is like commanding vex to do stuff for him. And that's like creating these darkness ripples throughout the garden. And so now he's able to like throw shit out into that to try to like make it hit a timeline and pray to God that somebody catches it at just the right time and looks at his gear and goes, Oh, darkness coming. Cool. What the fuck does that mean?
1: So I think I I, I want to be specific here. Um, Kraideth isn't in, in the garden, so I don't know that what's happening oh, in the garden that's right, that's has right, an right, effect right. on him.
0: That's um, right. He's in the vault. I keep he's forgetting that. He's in the yeah. vault. He is out, and the vault itself, unless the door is open, is outside of time, always. Like, it, right. it is always disconnected from time.
1: Right. Now, what I'm wondering is if the pulses he's getting are the Guardian's.
0: Like fire opening, coming in,
1: opening the door and assaulting the vault, making, and,
0: making, making their own fate in there.
1: Right, and that's giving him enough leeway to to slip stuff through.
0: Pushing, pushing times, conflux, Atheon through, through, and through, and through its paces. Yeah, dude, I don't see why not. That that I mean, that would line up. I mean, it. Okay, all right. So let's keep on that theory then. If there was something in the garden, or if, in the garden, in the vault. That would draw attention away from somebody. It would be paracausality, and if you have mm-hmm. a fire team of six paracausalities, just jumping through the hoops, <laughs> killing your oracles, kill bypassing your gorgons, like yeah, I, why why the hell wouldn't it be? Yeah, okay, some it's starting to, it's starting to click for me now. It's starting to click for me.
1: But he's he's been seeing you know amongst these uh, in between these pulses of opportunity he's still seeing other timelines the, the same way he has been forever but now he's starting to see them all start to condense in this looming shadow over the solar system and it's not a shadow that appear it, it looks like it's one of those events that is always going to happen yeah i uh, and
0: so yeah he I'm starts sure they've got a name for that
1: he starts trying to carve messages into his armor and into the scraps of his armor and just fling it out into the timeline wherever he can in hopes that somebody will, will find it at some point in time and it will be enough of a warning to get them to, you know, prepare in some way. And uh, that, that somebody is us. They were the one that get those, um, little warning messages. And we, we actually read some of them. Um, previously, I, they were the, the little messages from Pradith uh, that we had talked about. Now, obviously we received them, you know, much earlier than what this, than what's probably happening in, you know, our timeline at this point, uh, if Praedith is starting to see the pyramids coming. Um, but that's the fun thing about the Vex is you know, they you you can toss something into their network and who knows where it'll pop up. Yeah. But so needless to say, he's seeing these things um as he is uh you know, as he's also trying to prepare to leave. And it, it does sound like they've been successful in bringing in more teams of the Sundaresh variants. Um, and the, those teams are all working together. And it seems like they're saying, not only may they, not only might they be able to pull him out of his cell into the broader VEX network, they might be able to pull him and maybe themselves, though I don't know exactly what that would mean for them, into reality again. Bold move. Yeah. Uh so we continue with the chapter titled "Volative,"
2: I uh, and it goes like this.
1: 227.97 Here's how it goes. You and Maya and Shim and Dwayne take your first calculations. Slide Take sliding steps out into the Vex information network. Get your footing. You've got to translate everything into metaphor to understand it here. And this is like tightrope walking on a greased line. You and Maya lean into each other. Shim slips, and you help him up. You explore. You go on.
2: 227.3
1: Here's how it goes. You and Maya and Shim and Duane take your first cautious steps out into the Vex information network. You've got to translate everything into metaphor to understand it here, and this is like doing a Fourier transform on yourself down the blade of a sundial. You fumble a step, and Shim and Duane hoist you back up between them. You come up with a pair of skinned knees, but it's fine. You explore
2: you go on
1: 227.218 Here's how it goes. You all take your first confident steps out into the Vex information network. Maya says it feels like trying to get down a mountain on a surfboard. Dwayne makes grim pro- pronounced yeah. proclamations. Makes grim proclamations about avalanches. But he does this from a step ahead of you. You're all eager to get started. You come to a place that is a simulation of a world you don't recognize. Hills rolling with grain that's just faintly iridescent. The color of their stalks, an echo of the purple sky. Something in the distance calls out. A bird, maybe. Something that might be the traveler lies on the dis- distant horizon. A moon-sized eggshell discarded on the ground. It's spiderwebbed with cracks. No light emerges from it. Duane walks too quickly, not testing the ground. He goes before you can blink, fallen through an unseen edge of the simulation. When you move to where he disappeared, tilting your head at a certain angle makes the world give itself over to empty black with glowing wireframe edges that don't do anything to illuminate it. Tilt your head back, and there's nothing but purple wheat and the far-off call of an unknown bird. We have to go after him, says Maya. We can't just leave him. You're all still shocked, faces drawn. Shim bends for a rock, squints and tosses the stone underhand at the edge of the simulation and it disappears before it can hit the peak of its arc. He shakes his head. You and Maya repeat the experiment, heads cocked like nervy sparrows. When your rocks hit void, they disintegrate first into wireframe and then into black nothingness. You retreat. You put up a marker at the rise of a hill for all the good it'll do. You mourn the loss, and
2: you go on. 227.7.
1: You lose Shim. 227.33. You lose Duane. 227.200. The four of you cobble a radio together to contact other teams. Every night when you stop to rest, you click through the channels, hoping another team has had the same idea. On a cliff made of glass, topped with a thin layer of sandy earth and, thinner, and a thinner layer of grass, you get a response that's nearly inintelligible. You rest the next night at a seashore under the glass cliff. You woke up before dawn at the sound of screaming. You don't have time to find out what's happening before it happens. Very finally, to you. You lose Maya. 227.41. You lose Maya. 227.59. You lose Maya. You mourn. The thought of all the other Mayas out there doesn't help. They weren't the Maya you'd puzzled over Puzzled with over living basalt flowers, a world with 17 moons, a continent that Shim had sworn up and down was 16th century Australia, and that Duane couldn't be dissuaded from calling Pangea. You'd found a simulation with a city where you discovered a jewelry store, picked out a necklace, and brought it home to her, wished her a happy pseudo anniversary. Maya didn't like bracelets, said so they always fouled her work. Her hair had been getting shaggy again and was due for a trim. She could never decide whether or not to grow it out. She laughed at you, lifting weights to maintain simulated muscle. But she spotted for you all the same. There are other Mayas out there. Layers of them. All the way up to the original, wherever she is. You hope they're doing well, but that doesn't stop you from missing this Maya. Missing whatever arguments and discoveries you'd have shared in the rest of the lifetime you had promised to one another. Shim and Dwayne pull you up from beside Maya's marker. A basalt lily rests on top of it, petals thin enough to let light through.
2: And you go on. That's the end of this chapter.
0: So this one makes it sound like he's escaped the cell. I don't in think two hundred or he or he's been resimulate re, re he's been resimulated across the two hundred twenty seven different versions of uh, of Maya's I, team.
1: I don't think the the you in this case is Pradith. I think uh, I think the you is Chioma Essie because it's talking that last oh. one's talking about yeah. You know,
0: the anniversary and loving right. oh, okay okay so okay we're, i'm following
1: we're seeing through the eyes of the various chioma essies in the various teams out there what some of these teams have seen and done and lost since Inside they've started the exploring network. the network
0: oh my gosh okay yeah. yeah that makes it a little bit different that that like that reads way different i was i was reading this from the point of view of like pre writing it i it's yeah you, you're right this is definitely Chiomi. oh my god dude this this oh that feels darker <laughs> i don't i don't <laughs> like it myth what happened to there's only one way is up
1: <laughs> i mean yeah you, you don't have to go up immediately <laughs> oh that's
0: right this is an exponential climb this is like a slow burn yeah it's the slowest slowest burn ever <laughs> They're practically flatlined at this point. We're just walking uh, straight. All right.
1: Well, uh, so yeah, this, this is to give a little window into like what these research teams have been experiencing, what these simulations of Maya Sundaresh and Shioma Essie, uh, and Dr. Shim and Dr. Dwayne have like, these are what some of them have been doing and seeing and experiencing, While in the VEX network, Um, simulations of worlds, as we said before, the VEX are throughout the universe and they're seeing simulations of worlds that they have never even fathomed existed before. But the VEX have seen it, or the VEX have seen things that could lead to it being created, and they've simulated it out as far as they can. Though it is interesting that there there is a limit like they they found in one yeah. of these they found the edge of the simulation
0: and we we're throwing rocks into the edge of it and they were just vaporizing into nothingness
1: yep so for all their grand power for the massive amount of processing the vex can do they do have a finite limit which I mean, may, makes sense because they're a causal entity. They can only ever produce, you know, as much as whatever, whatever power they can generate with their radial area, and that may be billions upon billions upon billions of simulations, but eventually they have a limit. Yep. So, I. Uh, that brings us, now that we've seen kind of what it was like for Praedith, and now we've seen what it was like for the research teams, uh, we come to the last chapter in uh, the Aspect lore book, which is titled
2: Irelis. And it goes like this.
1: The garden wakes. It rises from the borrow that's grown up around it shedding vines and hanging moss like bedsheets. Circuits flood with power, pass the excess along to the next in line, flex massive limbs and boot sequences. Goblins write more circuits and weld them to the undying mind, building it up to take advantage of the power surge. Not an occasional pulse now, but a steady hum. Their faith is being rewarded. In the vault, 183 sets of simulated golden age scientists flex their own limbs, ready to make a break for it. Praetith, kneeling at his radio, shakes out his hands. They're stiff. He's stiff. Queasy with exertion and worry and a stack of lifetimes in a cell. But ready. Oh, so ready. How big is a transi- transistor compared to a pin, do you think? He can't tell which one is speaking. There are one hundred and sixty-five, after all. Are you calling me an angel? This is Chioma now, amused. Praetith knows which team it is now. 227.72s. Chioma sounds hoarser than the others. He doesn't know why. A different Maya. Would you like to dance? Duane snorts in a hundred part harmony, and eighty shims grin and elbow him at the metaphorical ribs. It's a slim chance, but a chance is all they need. The garden's massive door hums, an echo of the song of the goblins sing as they tend the flowers. The first minotaur readies itself to step through. Shield coming awake around it. Everything that has happened is, from a certain point of view, always happening. Everything that will happen is happening. If you know how to slice the ribbon of chrono- chronology thin enough, you can step through to the necessary moment, if you know how to tear it. A hundred and sixty mayas reach for the chiomas by their side. A hundred and fifty-eight shiomas reach back, one prateth waiting for the conductor's baton to drop, uncountable vex in the garden, waiting for the same event. a synchrony none of them notice somewhere a veil is always lifting, somewhere Kabir is always dooming himself, somewhere a door is always opening. And somewhere,
2: they are always stepping through. And that's the end
1: of the chapter.
0: I mean, sounds like he's getting out.
1: It's it's left a, a bit ambiguous, but uh, like, yeah, this this was the moment. This was the like, this is our chance for presumably all these copies and this one Pradith.
0: That's that's to what's on my mind too. Is like it seems like. All of these, because co- again, that was something like when we talked about it before. The copies didn't like none of them knew they were copies. They're so perfect and and exact, and so then that like kind of begs the question of like, what happens if they get out of the of right. the simulation? Like, are they real? Like, do they exist? Like, do they just fray away like this rock that was thrown at the edge of the simulation? But like, Pratus is real
1: right um yeah that i mean i don't know we (laughs) there it's we could have and i mean we kind of theorized this um when we were talking about niamuna like we could have a couple hundred maya Sundareshes and Shiomas and shims and like that have just gotten out into the world and are intentionally you know hiding out or uh, i'm sure not all of them have survived if they did escape out into reality um i mean
0: hell not all of them sur- survived vex sim- right uh simulations so <laughs> yeah so uh and maybe this isn't the first time you know we
1: we theorized um that perhaps the maya sundresh and uh, chioma Essie that founded niamuna were not the
0: originals yep same, um, same thing with the evil, corrupted version that uh, was possibly Clovis Bray's. Right. Like, that could have been another one that got out. And again, like, because, because time is a fucky thing here, we don't know where these things are stepping out into time.
1: Exactly. Uh, and we know that there was, there was, at one point, 227 of them. Um, they're down a now, few. <laughs> now they're saying it's 160.
0: They've they've lost a few total teams out there.
1: They've, they've lost uh, quite a few teams, almost a hundred teams. But who's to say some of those teams didn't find their own way out before now. That's true. But uh, so yeah, that is, that is the end of this lore book. Uh, It kind of leaves us on a little bit of a cliffhanger of like, did they get out? Did Praetith get out? You know, where if so I mean are there are there any where? more stories of Pradeth?
0: Yeah. Like did he step out in the future for us? Did he step out in the past for us? Is he is Pre does Praeth only exist in the Golden City now? Like or the Golden Age City? Like uh
1: well, I feel like if he stepped into the past. He would have changed some shit. Yeah, like we would have heard about him. We would have um, we would
0: have found something with like uh here was Praeth. He was a GEO like that, he would <laughs> yeah, have done that's something. What right, find that's that's. <laughs> <laughs> look at these, look at these ancient texts. He was a G yo. What does what does this even mean? You got you got Rahul in the tower wetting <laughs> yeah. his pants over this. Like I don't even know what this means. It's so awesome.
1: Uh, sequence is pattern.
0: <laughs> this dude.
1: All uh, um, oh, the yeah, other
0: so- just like you, fucking moron. Dick.
1: So likely did not step out into the past. Um maybe stepped out into the future.
0: Dude, if we get if we get a season with Pratith in it, just kind of like out of nowhere, we'll know exactly where the fuck he stepped out into.
1: Yep. We're uh, just gonna be like,
0: hey, there's a lot of shit going on. Um <laughs> I don't really have time to explain it, but welcome back.
1: <laughs> well, I was gonna say if if he's gonna come into play again, I think the most the 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 time that makes the most sense is the Vex themed episode that's taking place after Final Shape.
0: I think you're right. I think I think we might have something to do with Parade of Thin. And Mir. I think the two of two of them are gonna be yep. key players in that in that uh that post um I keep wanting to say post final shape. Is it yeah, 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 no, yeah. it's final shape, yeah. Yeah, post final shape. Post final shape episode.
1: Yeah, so uh that's that I mean Fingers crossed that that we get that because I think Pradith's story has been such an interesting one. Um, it's never been front and center. It's always it, been it, it's always yeah. been
0: taking place in the background.
1: Yeah, and we don't have a, a very solid like conclusion to it. And yeah. the, the, this this is the last moment that Pradith is is mentioned so far. Uh so hopefully we will see more of him. But um for now and say that's kind of the end of the the vex I uh, adjacent in this case story um from shadow keep specifically
0: because that, that was the other thing too is they like even in this entry this this final entry they talk about the garden and the undying mind do you think that's the, the I, I don't know why i just now thought of this do you think that's the power that's being drawn away like the that's what's they're the the vex are trying to get the garden re-separated and so it's pulling so much resources that even in the different timelines that are being presented in the vault are showing showing off this like hey we we've got this bigger issue going on and that's what's that's what's pulling away from attention away from him
1: i i do think that that that's probably the case. Um, if the Vexer are, are trying to reawaken the Undying Mind, and it
0: presumably that's, that's got to be a lot did. of processing power. I mean, the the number of times we killed it, like right. billions upon billions of simulations of it were killed, and
1: and yeah, it, it could it could be that um, you know we originally attributed this to be happening after the the death of the Undying Mind. This could be when the Undying Mind was first recreated. Oh, and sure. so the because we
0: didn't actually fight the undying mind until like the final week of the season, right?
1: Right. So those pulses could have been us guardians. It could have been us fighting the undying mind in the garden or simulations of it over and over.: Sure. Um, and then like, when we finally got the real one, uh, that was the moment that, that that opened it up enough for them to try and escape. Because we
0: did other things in that activity too, didn't we?
1: Uh, yeah. Like to to get the undying yeah, mind to spawn. Yeah, that was
0: that was the that was the six man activity. Yep. God, I I have really faint glimpses of it, of of memories of it, and and yeah, I remember there was a boss at the end that was like shielded. Yeah, and you had and to, you like had get get to the thing, and you had to build
1: confluxes. I think. Yeah. As you were going, yeah.
0: That that had to have been all connected then because that that book so. that book was coming out with Shadow Key or that that book was was um we were collecting the pieces of it while we were playing that first season of of Shadow Key yeah. right yeah
1: yeah yeah so okay. i i bet you that's more 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 pointing to
0: the the Vex network being as a whole and not like yeah it's got its little parts like the gardens here the the um uh, the the vault is there but it's still all one connected uh network
1: yeah whether they want the soul divisive or not
0: right they're still that's and i think that's the thing too is like they're they are the vex themselves are afraid of their own parts right that being the, the soul divisive but they are still part of it like the soul divisive as much as we think of them as like broken off and, and separatist and now they now they've d- developed worship like it's it, it's they're still part of the vex network they're still quantumly entangled entangled with the rest of the vex so therefore they are still vex and so it's it's yeah no it's that's uh yeah i i think he got out i'm gonna say he got out
1: i think so too i i hope so i hope we meet him later on because i think that would just be that it's one of those little story threads that isn't as in the limelight but i think it'd be really cool to see a, a conclusion to it um and to give the guy a break, like <laughs> right,
0: I've been stuck in there for what perceivably to him is millennia. Yeah, but I mean, for us, it's only been like a couple hundred years, maybe.
1: Right, but uh, so if we're as we're leaving Shadowkeep, the next um time that the Vex show up, kind of like, again, this is kind of Vex adjacent is, um, with the season of dawn and the infinite forest and the sundial. Um, so gen what well, the, the general summary of what has been going on in the greater narrative at this time is that, uh, the guardian has been dealing with the undying mind. Um, and that has been like f- all the focus has been on just kill the undying mind over and over and over. Well, That has allowed uh, the rest, the, the remnants of the Red Legion under the leadership of some scion flares to begin investigating Vex technology on Mercury. And in those investigations, they discovered something called the Sundial. I... The Sundial was not a creation of the Vexes, although it does use Vex tech. It is a creation of Osiris's. And uh, Osiris created it for one specific purpose. And that is to have pinpoint control over the internal timeline of the Infinite Forest.
0: To create actual time travel.
1: Yes, to 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 create actual
0: time travel. Like that's 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 what. Like, okay, Ikora, you had a bad idea, Osiris. What the fuck is wrong with you?
2: <laughs> yeah, like,
0: pretty much. Ikora had a bad idea. Built like she had she had a good intentions, but a bad execution. Like, I guess this is probably the better way to put it. Like, kill the undying mind as many times as you can. Okay. Let's maybe put this portal on like some random asteroid and we'll access it there through jump ships. That's fine. I could deal with that. Putting it in the city? All right, Ikora, what the hell? I I get that you're the second most powerful warlock in all of existence, but hold the shit on. Like just <laughs> cool down, lady. Uh to build a time machine in the, in the in the the heart of simulations like the Infinite Forest, like what Osiris, what the hell?
1: Well, it built the time machine in general.
0: Yeah. Um, uh, they, okay, I guess that's probably the bigger threat. Like, where it is probably doesn't matter. It's a time machine. It can do whatever the, it can be and go right. wherever the hell it wants. As long as it's a time and space machine, if it's just a time machine, it, that, that assumes that it can't go anywhere else. It's stuck where it's at. Right. Um,
1: I, yeah. And thank, thankfully, that is the case. So Osiris built this with one purpose in mind. Uh, that purpose being to say, go back in time to
0: save St. 14. It's all, it's all like, it's always with the best intentions, right? Like every time one of these like crazy ass stories of like, Hey, I'm, i I built a nuclear bomb. Well, why'd you do that? To save my loved ones. No, that's not, (laughs) (laughs) it's still a bad idea. (laughs) Yeah. I built a time machine. Why is that? So I could bring back my loved ones. I mean, okay, I get it, but it's still a bad idea.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so the sundial was an old um, experiment of Osiris's that was functional, but did not—he was unable to use it to to save Saint, and so he shut it down and hid it, and it was kind of this dark secret that he never
0: told anyone about. Oh, because that's that's the that's the better idea. Right. Create the thing and then it doesn't work the way you want it to, and then hide it from mom and dad. <laughs> I'm gonna tell you right now, that has never gone well. Remember kids, honest honesty is the best policy.
1: Yeah, because in this case, mom and dad didn't find it, the neighbor kids did, and the neighbor kids are dicks.
0: You see so... what I'm saying? <laughs> like it don't no good have come of this. Like
1: it's, it's all bad. <laughs> So the Cabal and these Scion Flares, um, which, for those unaware, Scions, and especially Scion Flares, incredibly technologically capable. Um, they are able to, like the Scion Flares in D1 were a threat against Rasputin. Yep. So they find this sundial. does not take them long to understand what it can do. And, well, and presumably
0: these, this, this technology is very similar to the Oxa. Machine, right?
1: Uh yes and no. Um Osiris does mention that he had to take something to be the core of this machine. Uh he doesn't specifically say it's OXA, and OXA, as far as we know, only showed visions of, gotcha. fut- of potential futures. What is different about this is that the sundial specifically opens up timelines truly a time machine but it only does it for mercury
0: because it because it's not a space machine It it right. is only a time machine it can't go anywhere thank god okay <laughs> so yeah. i guess he kind of like it's bad but it's not like bad bad like you're see it's still bad but it's yeah. not like like and for mercury for all places i guess that's not too bad like Mercury's pretty close to the sun. Most things die when it gets near it. It's, yeah, that's not too bad.
1: Well, And the reason he picked Mercury was because Mercury was where Saint disappeared and died.
0: Sure. Bring, why, why build a machine on, on Saturn when I could build it at the spot where he died and figure it out from there?
1: Right. Well, and it allows him to, to say, you know, control it as such. You can only go backwards in time for the planet Mercury. And, uh, you know, rather than, like, a, a broader spectrum. Yeah. Um, so the Cabal find this, and being the remnants of the Red Legion, they've got a bone to pick with the Guardians and how events of the Red War turned out for them. Uh, so their inclination is, let's figure out how it works. Let's turn it on. And let's go back in time and try and make us win the war
0: instead. (laughs) You see what I'm saying? No good can come of this.
1: No good. No good. Um, And so Osiris reaches out to us requesting assistance. Um, And we can see...
0: This is exactly uh, why Doc tells Marty to destroy it. Like, don't come back for me. I'm living happily as a blacksmith. It's fine.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's a very similar uh, similar theme. Um, but yeah, so Osiris sends us the, uh, the lantern of Osiris, which is the seasonal artifact for that season, um, with the flavor text on it saying this. I created the sundial to rectify my greatest regret. I failed. And now the Red Legion has turned my failure to catastrophe. To catastrophe. Time is broken on Mercury. It has taken all of my resources, all of my echoes, to monitor the time streams the Legion have created on Mercury. So this lantern is yours now to light your way from time to time. May it serve you better than it served me. Osiris. So this is him admitting to the creation of the sundial and that the red legion is now using it to try and uh write themselves into the winning side of history uh but needless to say this is vex adjacent because a it's vextech to allow for this time travel vextech and light that are allowing for time travel um and b Saint fourteen has a tie to the Vex. We've talked about it a little bit before, um, and we'll we'll talk about a few things now. But I almost want I, I, I want to save some of this um, because I I really feel like we uh, should and probably will. Do a series specifically around Saint Osiris, and a Absolutely. lot of that, a lot of this would be included in that series.
0: Okay. Um. We don't have to go. We don't have to go deep in it. I guess. Yeah. I guess the the big points of 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 that season is there's a time machine. It's in the Infinite Forest. It exists. The Cabal want to use it to uh to be the victors which i mean again it it comes back to the whole like this is a bad idea osiris what the hell's wrong with you like (laughs) ikora did a bad thing and we slapped her on the wrist, and then you just you just admitted to doing it before her and being like yeah i did this even worse thing and now it's going to come back and bite us in the ass
1: yeah uh so as far as the vex are concerned the the big takeaways that are good to point out um the way the Vec so uh Saint Fourteen entered the Infinite Forest to try and find Osiris, but he had no way to track Osiris or designate where he showed up in the infinite forest. He you know, was a Titan. He was just holding W and went forward See, and figured I'm telling- out fig he would he would go from there.
0: I might I I got something to say about that at the end of this episode. Somebody (laughs) called me out on it, and I I don't know that I can deny it any longer.
1: So uh, Saint is in the Infinite infinite Forest now. The Vex are obviously aware that he's in in the Infinite Forest and that uh, they want to eliminate him so he doesn't muck up their reality simulation. I. and so I like they... I like to think
0: of the Vex wording it just like that too. Yes, exactly like Don't that. Don't muck up our shit.
1: <laughs> <laughs> uh the Vex quite literally go to war with Saint.
0: It's a one man army.
1: It takes hundreds upon hundreds upon thousands of Vex just being thrown at Saint over the course of unknown time, definitely like years, decades, maybe longer.
0: I'm telling you, man, you give me Trinity ghoul and a fist. I'll I'll fight. I'll fight them (laughs) all, man. Uh, And Saint is eventually
1: after killing so many Vex is eventually, uh, you know, meets his own demise at the hands of Agioctus, The Martyr Mind. uh, Which was an Axis mind that was created with the sole purpose of blocking or draining Saint-14's light.
0: that's, That's the big thing with Vex is like they can't simulate the light so they have no way to figure out how to kill him. And so the best they can do is like drain it from him or block it from getting to him. So yeah. The fact that they created an entire subroutine being that mind to do that, it's that's a pretty big deal for the vex.
1: Oh yeah. Um, and that like it still took them years upon, you know, however long he was fighting, this thing was just studying and trying to figure out how to block his light. And eventually, they landed on what is a worse version of light suppression tech than what Gaul had. uh, because it was tuned in such a way that it only worked on Saint. Like the whereas Gaul's was a little more all-encompassing.
0: That's that's what that's what blows my mind is the fact that like Gaul and and the Cabal as a whole figured out a way to, to block all light. And well I guess I guess it's not that's not too stretchy, right? Like in, in my mind it's like the Vex can't simulate it whatsoever. And the Vex are to me are like one of the most powerful things in the Destiny universe. Um and the fact that it took all of them that the millions of years and, and tries to just get something that blocks a single Guardian's light out. Um but then Gaul's able to just like kick in the door and be like, I'm gonna take all of the light. But even then, still couldn't do it. Like I mean, we were done with him within like you know a few hours.
1: Yeah, and although it was suppressed, the traveler still eventually broke free of that. Yeah, that confinement on its own. Yeah, like so. It wasn't. It wasn't truly imprisoned in in any meaningful way by the end of things. Um. But yeah, so I. The Vex had the ability to counter this one guardian, um, after who knows how long of study. Um, and although he was killed, the Vex almost showed a form of respect to another, you know, warrior, um, in, in such that they, they had enshrined him in a monument. His his body, uh, within the infinite forest, I. And I, I wish you could still go there because it was such a cool thing to find.
0: It really was. Like it's like this door opens and that's all that's in it. It's just piles of vex, and he is like literally laid to rest on top of it. Yep. And then the shotgun is just sitting on his chest, like it's it. It was very very amazing.
1: So, uh, obviously, Saint-14 is in the game, so something happened to change that outcome. Uh, and we'll talk about it in a saint Osiris episode. Eventually. Yeah. Spoiler um,
0: alert. Hashtag VIP 2014.
1: <laughs> yeah. If, if you're like, hmm, something dramatically changed in the narrative. I wonder why. The answer is us. Where, where, why? <laughs> Full stop. <laughs> there, St. Osiris story told. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but uh, but yeah, so that is where we're going to end our episode for, uh, for tonight. And we'll pick up again on the continuation of the Vex next time.
0: Sweet. Still plenty of Vex to be, to be talked about. There's, there's a whole season of Vex. Yes. Several seasons of Vex coming.
1: Alrighty. Well, uh let's do let's do some shout outs. All right. So we've got two shout-outs uh this time around. Um one of them is longer than the other. So I'm gonna do the short one first. Okay. Uh, and then we can dig in because the the longer one also has some um theories and such.
0: So Ooh, I love theories.
1: Uh the first one comes to us from Tyler Daughtry on uh Twitter who says Uh, I just started listening in and I'm loving your guys' content. I've really wanted to get more into the lore recently and started with your series on the crow. It just kept pulling me back for more. Now I can't wait to hear even more. So thank you.
0: I I, I love doing crows. Crows is like, I don't know. I feel like he's the perfect redemption story. Like he's so broken and then like once once he once you start like realizing like what happened to him after he got resed i don't know i just i just feel for him now he's he's just he's and then all, and then the shit with amanda like come on just catch a freaking break bro like
1: yeah, yeah i uh i love crow i he's he's a really cool character and and i i'm interested to see where they go with his story um also, kind of like the darkness
0: of Ultron Sov, like the corruption, yeah. like watching that corruption happen over time, and like always kind of living in his, in his sister's shadow, but like not. I don't ever feel like his story ever, or I don't ever feel like he himself ever really lived in the shadow of of Mara, but Mara was such a huge figure that he couldn't help but be eclipsed by her. Yes. Like yeah. it just it it didn't matter how big of a player he was. It didn't matter how big of a of a character he was. He was never going to even come close to to being equals with Mara. So to see to see that brother sister relation just play all the way out to where it is now is like I said, Aldern's got one of the most interesting stories in all of Destiny. So yeah, oh, glad, really I'm glad does. you started. Glad you started with that one because that's that's a that one's a fun that one was a fun one.
1: Yeah, and if you haven't already. Uh, I would highly recommend going back to our Awoken series and learning about where Mara and Aldrin, who became Crow, came from, and like what their life has entailed. Cause it's so much wild,
0: so much stuff in that. In that, like I said, it's it. It's God. Crow's good. Crow's good. Yes. My wife still won't uh, forgive him, but uh, I'll forgive him.
1: It's okay. She's allowed to be wrong.
0: Yeah, exactly. That's what I tell her, and then she laughs, laughs at me and calls me stupid, and it's it's this whole game.
1: <laughs> uh, All righty. So a little bit longer one now. Our second shout out, um, which I love both of the names they have chosen here. So um, this is another one from Twitter. There, I. Uh, display name on twitter is iron lord buns yeah which is just fun let's Uh, go and their their handle their at on twitter is oh lord daddy mine
0: yeah (laughs) let's go
1: and i thought that was kind of clever so
0: that's pretty good
1: um but they say uh, i had to make a twitter to reach out since i use spotify and can't leave a text review um, I've been with you too since the Books of Sorrow series. While I waited for Witch Queen to drop, I've always been super interested in the lore, but my squirrel brain has a hard time keeping track.
0: I, keeping track dude, of it all. I'm telling you, this is why I, this is why I have myth. <laughs> uh,
1: yeah, so it has a hard time keeping track of it all and putting some kind of order to it, uh, which myth is brilliant at doing. Thank you uh, for us crane eaters. Well, I told you so. Uh, at this point in time, I don't have a way to play the game, but keeping up with you guys keeps me filled in with all the lore uh, as the story progresses while I'm away. And I feel like I'm not missing anything important thanks to you two.
0: See, that's, that's what I love about Destiny as well. There's, there's such a story there that you can still like, have part of it even without access to the game.
1: Yeah, like there's, there's always... The continuing narrative has never been better.
0: It's amazing. Uh, Genuinely it's... amazing.
1: Yeah, so and and being in a spot where you can't play, I know is is can always be kind of frustrating. So, uh you know, if if we're able to uh f- keep you with at least the the feeling of the the narrative thread, like that's that's cool. I'm I'm glad that that, that helps. Um but say Iron Lord continues. I uh, says I also have a few theories. I'd like to see what you think about. I uh, but I'll keep it at one for now. So their theory is... I was going to
0: say, well, I, you know me, I'll talk all night.
1: <laughs> their theory is, uh, ghosts being made by the traveler, uh, parentheses, creation, due to proximity of the v- to the veil, or darkness, parentheses, consciousness, uh, from the witness, would, would explain why ghosts were uh, a one-time thing. And while these two forces... And... Uh, while these go, excuse me, which explains why ghosts were a one-time thing only while these two forces were in close proximity.
0: I can, I can, I can accept that.
1: Yeah. I I think that makes a lot of sense. Um,
0: yeah. The, the veil and the traveler has never been touched since then. Like they've, they've been separated since the beginning of time. And since the, the veil was that close, I mean, darkness won the collapse. The, I, I think that's a big thing that, that a lot of people don't realize Darkness won in during the collapse, like the only reason why they left is because they thought they won like and and even then like they still kinda didn't really leave like they, they the 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 witness lost the veil due to the the tomfoolery of of our of our tomfoolery queen um and and but still was very convinced that he had won and and that was it like that was the end of the game so yeah it's it's yeah i i like that theory i like that that idea of like the veil's close proximity to the traveler is the creation of the ghost i'm 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 liking that i'm yeah, liking and that. that
1: that would definitely explain a couple of things i would explain you know a why ghosts have their own personality and consciousness sure um and b we know that the ghosts don't really, or at least some of them, don't really have a memory of where they came from. They just they kind of just know the same stories we've been told. Sure. Uh,
0: or the ones that they make up.
1: Right. Um it is referenced and I, I don't have the lore card in front of me, but we've talked about it a couple times with the interview with the two different ghosts. Yep. Um, it is referenced in there that like one of the ghosts says like yeah we don't we don't know where we came from uh, and the other one says that you know oh we came from a uh like a, a consciousness we came from a, a pooled consciousness like a, they they refer to it i think as a well of souls yep um and they're attributing that to the traveler but perhaps that was the veil
0: that's what i'm thinking
1: so I think that does. I make like that a lot idea of sense. that
0: creation creation near consciousness, because again, yeah. that's what those two forces are is is consciousness and creation.
1: So I, like it. I yeah I, I think that that's got legs and, and makes a lot of sense. So good good stuff. Yeah. Um,
0: Would definitely explain why it's only ever happened once.
1: Yes, and why the traveler wasn't just like, hey, ghosts for the elixir.
0: Yeah, you know, yeah. Like, <laughs> Go, you you get a ghost, and you get a ghost. Everybody gets a ghost.
1: Yeah, like if if they were if the whirlwind on the original reese was a same level of event was a you know a collapse. Uh, why then, did yeah, the ghost like, not why... get released there?
0: they didn't right. exist there.
1: Yep, I I think that makes a lot of sense. So, it's a very good theory. I like it. Um, Say they, they also uh Iron Lord goes on to say, um, could this also explain Elsie's time loop because of Eris Eris Dark on Traveler? Now I am not quite sure what we're trying to say there. Um could this also explain Elsie's time loop because of Eris Dark on Traveler. Not sure. I'm i not sure I, what's being asked there. I think maybe they're trying to say like if Elsie's time loop is because Eris used dark powers on the Traveler, oh, in proximity to to Elsie in her original bad future, um, maybe, maybe, yeah, I I don't like know. Maybe that we did, have... maybe
0: if Eris got got hands on some type of veil stuff in one of these, in one of these futures. And that's like the turning point. Cause that's, that's the one thing that Eris or that Elsie says is the main like collapse in like every timeline is Eris going dark.
1: Right. But Elsie also stated that she had never heard of the veil vale before. Oh, like she, she had never heard of Neomuna. Everything around Neomuna was new and like, had never come up in any of her other in any other timelines time
0: interesting
1: so one i i don't know then if we so like for, the veil wouldn't well, have been present in her original time
0: that's kind of what uh, i'm getting at like this this timeline that elsie's experiencing right now is the first time that she's ever experienced it
1: yeah these events yeah interesting um so i'm i'm not 100% certain
0: maybe maybe the veil has broken the time loop
1: maybe maybe so maybe the discovery also, of the veil like
0: we also know that like part of elsie's time loop isn't an actual like time travel loop her brain is just resetting because it's run out of information space to store stuff right and so like it's resetting to this point to whatever point in time it's resetting to and it still is retaining some of the information it doesn't retain all of it but it retains a lot of it so it's it's almost like a like an exo wipe, but it's it's happening due to a breakdown in storage space for memory.
1: Yeah, now that specifically pertains to the information she retains between time jumps. Right. because uh, she, she is very much physically moving.
0: Oh okay. I I always thought that she wasn't physically moving. I always took her time loops as like her brain is is degrade it, it gets to some point in time and then like has to has to reset itself to a a known point in time but still has access to all the other memories. I I almost don't almost, think... almost like doing a reset on a computer but still having the hard drive for with all your with all your your good stuff.
1: Yeah, but that wouldn't like you could wipe like if if her memory was wiped, that wouldn't move her back in her own timeline. Oh, like that's that, true. That's true. That would just delete whatever she had, and she'd still be stuck in whatever present, you know, is taking place. Um, so I guess the the short answer is we don't really know what's going on with Elsie and her ability to time jump. Um, I don't I don't think I can say that the traveler and darkness from Eris plays a part uh or at least not not in not in any way i could explain right now if it did but yeah
0: i i don't know but
1: we wouldn't and hopefully we'll find out more because we are still finding out little bits and pieces from elsie as as stuff goes on there's she was very upset about eris receiving tithes. She was. Uh, <laughs> she was
0: not happy about it at all she was straight up like, dude, well, I've been warning you about this for fucking 10 years, and you let it happen anyway. We're screwed now. Thanks. Got to do this again.
1: Yeah. Um, so, yeah. But uh, moving on to the last of Iron Lord's theories here, uh, <laughs> they say, well, it's obvious to all of us that Myth is definitely a warlock.
0: Void As warlock specifically.
1: A- Void Warlock specifically, um, as an emotional, squirrel-brained, cran-eating, face-punching, sword-wielding titan and veteran, I recognize Zor as one of my own, Fuck. even if he's in denial about it.
0: I've been called out. <laughs> I realized it the other day. I use I used a sword on Iryut, yeah, and, and a shotgun. <laughs> Fuck, I've been called out. I've been caught. It's so bad too, because like I really. I don't like the Titan kit. I like if I could just have Arc Souls as a Titan, I'd be fine. It'd be fine. Everything would be fine. Because then I could use like Synthoseps, and then I could use yeah, just Punchy Ghoul, and just fucking punch, punch, the, punch the crap it. out of things. Punch the crap out of everything with all the Arc, everything. I am Arc. I'm a hundred percent Arc. You are. I, you are Arc. I, yeah. I am a closet Arc Titan. But I'm like a I'm like a wannabe. I'm a titan that wears a dress. <laughs> there you go. How about that? They're robes. They're clear clearly robes. Yeah, no, I'm a closet titan. It's fine. I accept it. I like punching things. I, I like swords. I like shotgun. I like a shotgun. One single shotgun. Fractus is the only shotgun that for some reason works for me.
1: Uh, well, say thank you to Iron Lord for,
0: uh... Calling me out! Yeah, for,
1: <laughs> for setting Zor straight. Uh, <laughs> it's fine.
0: It's fine. I know it. He knows it. Myth knows it. Everyone knows it. I just won't admit it. Yeah.
1: And thank you for the, the fun theory about ghosts. I think that's... that makes a lot of sense. Um, so yeah. But, uh, if... You uh, were listening out there and you enjoyed what you heard, and you want to support us in some way, please leave a review on your platform of choice. Uh, if you feel strongly enough and it allows for it, leave a text review. We love to see those. Uh, or you can reach out to us on Twitter at Myths and Stories, Z instead of an S. Uh, and we look at those, and you may hear yourself as a future shout out.
0: Well, I, I have to specifically thank Iron Lord Buns now because I've been called out and I will continue to use my swords. I even made the other day we were doing something. I don't even remember what it was, but I was like, "I need my temptation's hook." And everyone's like, "What the fuck even is that?" And I'm like, "Oh my god, I hate all of you." <laughs> there was one point in time where I just all I had was swords in my inventory. They were like, "You need Galahorn." And I was like, "Is that a sword?" And they're like, "No, you dumb fucking titan." And I'm just like, "Shut up. Can I punch it?" Damn it, I'm a titan. I do love strand punch. Like grapple punch just feels so satisfying, especially like when you get it and, and then you got the unraveling rounds and then you're just like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I get three punches with that.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: It's the only class with three punches. That's the only reason why I like it more than any other thing because I get three punches. God damn it. I'm a Titan. I got to go make a Titan now, don't I? <laughs> All right. Well, now that I've been called out, Myth, you void warlock, you <laughs> take that.
1: Uh, I'm proud to be a void warlock. I'm I don't still. Care sp- if it's meta. Why is
0: why is Nezarak's freaking staff not a void staff?
1: That is one of the great mysteries of the universe.
0: Missed opportunity. It's whatever it is. All right. Well, um on that note, anything else, Myth? That's it. All righty. Well, then, from all of us, Lord Daddies, to all of you Guardians out there whether you be crayon-eating titans or not. We'll see you next time.